out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Did I talk with my friend E.B.? I do not know E.B. that well. I met him a few times in fellowship meetings and liked what he said, so I was wondering about his journey. So I invited him to talk to us at Meet Me in the Field. And here he is. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. This is Ebi's story. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Ebi, good afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to be nervous. At all. Just, just relax, relax, relax. You're in safe hands. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. I'm really happy to have you here. The last time when I wanted to chat to you, you went on holiday. So I, I had did. to wait for you to get back and then you had a cake eating function. Did you, did you, <laughs> did you absolve yourself on that day? Well, not, not, not really. Not really. I, I tried. I tried. <laughs> well, I try to be a cake eater, but I can't. No. No, I, I just can't. Um, we can't be friends, you realize that? No, no, I don't think so. But do, do you not eat sweet things at all? I don't. The only the only time I eat sweet things is at work because they always got so much cake. There's always like, so much celebrations and farewells and stuff. Like, yeah. yes. You know, so that's that's probably the only time I'll have sweet things. Okay. So you don't, you, you won't go into the shop and buy yourself a chocolate? It's just not something you... A chocolate once in a while, but um, no. Oh my God, I wish I like, I, could. I like, I like, I like healthy stuff. Okay. You know? Because do you do bodybuilding? I do weightlifting, but not excessive anymore. Okay. I mainly just train to be healthy and yeah, to maintain my body. Okay. But did you do bodybuilding at some stage in your life, as in competitively or? No. Not, okay. No. I think, I think like maybe five, maybe five, six years ago, I, well, I was excessive, like seven days a week in the gym, you know, oh. pump, pump, pump. I got to buy, buying my food in the, in the store, I got to read how much proteins, how much oh, this, how much that, you know. Because oh, you were really hectic. Yeah, I was, I was. And did you get the goal? <laughs> well, yeah. Because <laughs> normally we do it to get the goal, don't we? The, the thing is, where's it all now? <laughs> okay. So you actually need to restart, to, to, to redo this. Though. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all just about living now. You know, it's all just about living, maintaining my body, being healthy, eating healthy. I think, I guess, saying the right things, doing the right things. You know, but I, I, guess, I guess at the end of the day... Um, I think the question I mostly ask myself is, what is the right thing? Mm. And people tell me, do the right thing, do the next right thing. And yeah. I'm like, what is, the, what is the right thing? Well, what the hell is the right thing? Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. I like you. black, white, what is in between? Yeah. Like go left or go right. Yeah. But th- there's, there's a road in between as well. How old are you now? Uh, 47. 47. Okay, so you're five years of my junior. 
So you're still a babe. Five years your junior, that I'm makes 52. you 52. Yeah. Yeah. And did you grow up in Cape Town? I grew up in Cape Town. A Cape yeah. Flats boy Ah, uh, yeah, 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 okay. you can say that, Cape Flats. I like to call it ghettos. Oh, okay. So what were you, a ghetto blaster? <laughs> <laughs> well, more like, more like an introvert ghetto. Okay. More like an introvert ghetto guy, because everything I did, grew up there, grew up in the flats, grew up in, you know, uh, and, and that's where I stayed. And, and, and why I say introvert ghetto, ghetto guy is because I never went out. Okay. Everything I needed was ever there, which is, of course, my, my habit, my drug habit. Yeah. Yeah, that is all that was important. So there was no sightseeing, like going to Table Mountain or, or hiking yeah. or even, even having coffee. Never. Oh, my word. Never. Schooling, okay. everything was yeah. there. So did you start using at a young age? Eight years old. Eight years old? Eight. Eight years old. What did you use at that age? Mandrax, Mandrax, uh, weed, glue. Were you involved in the in the gang culture at all? Uh, I was, man. As a, I was. So, so you're a rough, rough dude. Were a rough uh, dude. Well, you know, at the time, at the time, I think I think I kind of pretended more. Okay. But inside, and I was very scared. those masks we put in because we're so shit scared. We, uh, yes. we put on this brave mask and pretend to be tough. Meanwhile, we're shitting ourselves uh, uh, constantly. I was crapping myself and all the time. Because as rough as I thought I was, there was always like 10 other people more rough yeah. than me. And then, whoa, there's always someone bigger than me. There's always someone doing something more quicker than me. Yeah. So yeah, it, it was more. It was more. It was fear. Yeah, that that whole idea that you shared now about there's always somebody bigger, faster, more intimidating than you. That yeah. that is so scary. Uh, if I if I think about jail, for instance, I mean, I did some shit that should have landed me in jail. Yeah, and if I think that I could have landed in jail and be in that system, oh my god. Fuck that scary shit. Oh, uh, yeah. There is no way I would have survived. Your parents, are they still alive? My mom. Okay. And did, did you grow up with both your parents? Yes. Well, they divorced at the age of about 14, 15. Okay. Mm, so then you had the perfect, perfect excuse as a teenager. Now you're from a broken home as well. Now you can fuck up more. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But, I, you know, thinking back, I don't think I... I ever used excuses. Okay. Oh no, I did. No, no, I did. I did. I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. And did you grow up religiously? Hmm. Religiously. Define religiously. <laughs> did you go to church as a child? Were you forced? To, did you go to church? Were you forced to go to church, or did you go because you wanted to? Or <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I'd say I was kind of forced. Okay. I was kind of forced and I didn't really want to contest it because I think my mom always scared me, you know, if you don't go to Muslim school, if you don't go to church school, then, you know, God's going to punish you. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, it was, it was always in the back of my mind. Yeah. The idea of waking up and you're in hell is bloody scary. Yeah. I had that. I don't know if you had that, but ever wondered how how is God going to punish me you know yeah. 
and then and then I think I would think like uh, a simple thing. I'm walking, I'm walking to school, and then all of a sudden I walk in a in a puddle of water, and then I'm thinking, oh shit, yeah, you know, here we go. Mom was right. God punished me. Okay. You know, it's like everything yeah. became every every obstacle became yeah. something related to. This is my punishment. Yeah. Okay. See, I I, I had a different concept because the concept of hell was so th- thrown at us in the Dutch Reformed Church. Yeah. That for me it was I'm going to die during the night in my sleep and I'm going to go to hell and mm. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be in hell. Uh. And hell was just the most horrific place in my head. So I would, before going to bed, not feel like praying and out of fear, just pray because if I don't pray and I go and I die, then I might end up in hell. Yeah. And that felt really, really uncomfortable for me. What, how, you know, it's quite interesting. How would you picture hell? Because that's, that's flippant scary. I somehow pictured it as a huge fire. <laughs> Just standing in the yeah. middle of a huge fire. Yeah. I don't know how I pictured surviving through it, but um, it was just an extremely, extremely scary place. Yeah, me too, me too. So did you finish your schooling? Well, yeah, I did. When you say finish school, at uh, I think that time I was, uh, that time they called it standard five, and standard five is now grade seven. seven yeah. So that was enough for me. Okay. Now six, grade eight. Okay. So I failed grade eight, did it again, and I thought, okay, you know what? School's not for me anymore. I was oh. 14 at the time. Okay. Went to work. Where yeah. does a 14-year-old boy go work? Well, uh, you know, you know, those days you got uncles that is, uh, that does this kind of work and uncle that, that, that kind of work in plumbing and carpentry and, you know, you must go and work with your uncle. Then, yeah. okay, 14-year-old, your uncle comes and picks you, comes and pick you up at home and you go. Oh. But uh, I think... You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what I was thinking at the time, but when I went to work, it was kind of the first time I'm out of ghetto land, so to say, you know, and everything just looked so big and so explorable and so adventurous. And yeah. I thought, okay. There is a world outside of gangster land, yeah. Yeah, here's where it's happening. It's, uh, I, you know, I don't even know how to explain that. It's a whole new world open for you. Did you yearn for that life? Did, did you want to then leave where you were? I think, no, no, I didn't. I think I became, I became rebellious. I tell you what, so this, maybe I, let, me, let me paint you this picture, right? So go for it. <laughs> my... My father, so my father was was gay, okay. right? And so the kids in the neighborhood already um, started teasing us about it. Yes, your gay father, your father's a morphine. You know, kids are at that age, man. Yeah. But for, for, for me, it was difficult. And I started becoming very, very rebellious and destructive. So there was guys... The guys that was using on the corner and you know and, and hanging out on the shop corners you know I, I started seeing you know what people respect these guys okay and 
maybe, you know, maybe if I get friends with them or something of the sort. And, you know, things just started happening. And then uh, the friends I used to have, their parents didn't want me to come there anymore because they thought I was a bad influence. Well, maybe I was. But uh, that's how things started snowballing into schooling. So that's how you got into the wrong crowds. You know, that's, that's quite interesting. A <laughs> lot of people use the word wrong crowds. <laughs> wrong crowds. But I, I always say, what is a wrong crowd? Mm. Does that make me a super boy? <laughs> I don't think so. Because, hey, if so, I mean, parents telling my mom, don't you either we don't want your child here anymore yeah that makes me also a wrong boy you know yeah. so i don't know whether we were the wrong boy <laughs> wrong crowd <laughs> okay i mean the wrong crowd is probably as sick as i am yes or was i'd say well, now you know what i'm still sick yeah are you <laughs> <laughs> as he points to his head and i i nod <laughs> yeah 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 you mentioned, uh, did I hear correctly that you mentioned Muslim school? Yes. So you're Muslim? Yeah, I'm Muslim. Okay. We'll get to, to, to that at a later stage, but for uh -huh. right now. So did the wife happen, did the children happen and all those type of things at some stage in your life? Well, yeah, it happened. It happened. No kids though. I think, I think, I can't remember when, but somewhere in my life, I, you know, I thought, yeah, hey, what's happening? Why am I not having kids? You know, I'm, 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 I'm with women, and but nothing's happening. Uh, went to see a doctor, and the doctors found that uh, I, because I started using it at a very, very early age, my body at the time wasn't fully developed, and therefore, drugs that went into my body has killed the fishes. You know, yeah. like the fishes, they, they, they don't swim anymore. Yeah. They swim, but. Not strong enough. They're not strong enough. Yeah. So right, that fixed that problem. And how did you how did you feel when you heard that? I don't think I was phased about it. Were you still using actively? Yeah, I was okay. still using. Was so still you using. just you just probably used more. <laughs> no, I wasn't phased about it. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. Okay. So, that, so that's what's wrong. Life goes on. Yeah, I think that's the attitude I had. Okay. Like, okay, you know what? Whatever, piss off. Anyway, so yeah, I, yeah, I got married, 21, also to an addict, thinking, oh, yo, we got romance. <laughs> yes, we can use together. We can sail the world together, yeah. our journey. We can get dragged together. Yeah. But shit. Motherfucker. Was I wrong? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, a couple of years later, I got married again. I'm actually still married, so yeah, I did get the girl. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, guess what? I married another addict. No. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> I tell you, it went on for a couple of years. Married, 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 using whatever. And eventually I got clean and I said, you know what, fuck it, I'm done. I'm done with this shit, man. I've had enough of using. And that same day, she also got clean. Okay. Oh, wow. She also got clean. I, I, stayed, I stayed clean for nine months. Ach, not nine months, three months. Relapsed. For four days, she stayed clean. Oh. She stayed clean. Um, so I'm 14 years clean, and she's 14 in a couple of months. Oh, wow. 
clean than me. And you're still married to her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's wonderful. You're still married. How angry was she at you when you relapsed? Did she know? Uh, you see, you see, this is the thing because we both were doing, we, we were very much into, I don't know if I can say the program that we were huh? in, like the 12 step program. In yeah. We were both in the, well, we're still both in the program. Awesome. Yeah. And that's uh, wonderful. It is. It is. So I, I think in that three months, we both have learned not to take on each other's shit. Okay, cool. Right? We both got our sponsors, we both got our meetings. I focus on me. I stop trying to control you, your feelings. You don't want to talk about your feelings? Hey, it's cool. Yeah. You know? We can talk later about it. And, and I think that is what has developed in that three months. When I relapsed, there was absolutely nothing she could do because she knows. Once, once the train goes, he goes. Yeah. You ain't stopping. So yeah, of course she was disappointed. But I think the, I think if, if I had to keep on using, then there would have been a problem. That would have been the disaster, yeah. Yeah. And what made you pick up? Can you remember? <laughs> yeah. You know, I but what excuse did you use? <laughs> I don't. I think I think the excuse I used was bored. Okay. I was bored. I, I think, I think why I picked up was because I, I wasn't connected with me. I wasn't, I wasn't connected with me. I didn't, I was doing the program, you know, singing all the songs, but was it what I really wanted? Yes, I believe that, but it was not. Yeah. It wasn't what I wanted. I still wanted to go back. A part of me wanted to go back. And with with time on my hands, I went back. Okay. So yeah, I I wanted to go there. I wasn't connected with me. I didn't know what I want. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah? How old were you when you got clean this? Um, 14 years ago, you of... 34. 34. So you had a long, long, long history of using. Ooh. And that must be horrific because at the age of 34, having started using at eight, yeah. it's going to take a while to find who the hell you are <laughs> and, and, and who is this person yeah. in me. Where does the name Ebi come from? Well, my full name is Ibrahim. Okay, I, I, I thought so. Okay, cool. I don't like that name. I don't like it. Okay, you know, mom gave it to me, but uh, I don't like it. So, do you know why I don't like it? Actually, I'm just realizing now. Yes, when you're talking about religion, it's because it's very religion. Yeah. Like Ibi, Ibrahim. Or like, okay, yeah. here we go. Like, boom, religion. But w w when I got clean, I started telling everybody, Ibi. I want to be called Ibi. Do not call me Girl. anything else. Call me Ibi. Yeah. It's like it's like an in-between name. That reminds me, interestingly enough, of a guy when I came into the rooms. There was a guy that... that got clean and then converted to, 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 to become a Muslim. Yeah. And then he adopted the name Ibrahim. Okay. And he used to say so often in meetings, my name is Ibrahim, with, uh, the, with the accent on the him. And it was also, is that the right way to pronounce it or, or whatever? Did you go into a rehab center or did you get clean through NI? I went into, do you want to know the story? Let me tell you the story. <laughs> Please do. I'll do, I'll, do a, I'll do a quick one, a quick one, very quick one. So. Okay, I'll, I'll add another piece on. I've got another piece <laughs> A quick one plus a small. Plus, plus a small, small piece. <laughs> just how I got there. Cool. Right, so after 
after about three or four days of not sleeping, right? Uh, I found myself in this, in this uh, kind of like an informal settlement, right? And there I am, everybody's gone out, they like goofed out and, and sleeping or, 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 or just knocked out. I'm laying there, drugs is not, drugs is finished, there's, there's no more alcohol, there's nothing to use anymore. <sighs> So now I'm like, okay, here we go. So I just got to hang around until the morning, you know, until the sun comes up. But now as I'm laying, I'm hearing voices. Like, you know, people are having a party next door and people are talking and it's going on and on and on and on and on. And, on. and that's all I hear me laying there. I can't hear what they're saying though, yeah. but I hear the voices. So eventually it's getting light and one of the ladies wake up and I tell them, hey, you know, like there's... Um, What's wrong with these people next to? They're like they're going on whole night, they're partying. And she tells me, no, there's nobody next door. It's all locked up. Nobody's next door. And that's that's when something clicked with me. Oh my word! So so, so psychosis has clicked in. Yes. Oi. Psychosis didn't click, but something clicked. You know, but little did I know it was probably the start of my psychosis. Yeah. Tyson has entered the building. Yes. This is Tyson. Tyson. Just as what? It's just like a lion. <laughs> this is a ginger. A ginger yeah. cat <laughs> with a little bell on and it looks like a lion. Yes. He's his father's son. <laughs> and what? he said his fangs cut out last week, so he's not he's not a real lion anymore. <laughs> he looks very gentle. He's wonderful. Very friendly. Okay, so Tyson has entered the building and you are now having a psycho psychotic episode. Yeah. So what so, then? Uh, did you get the fright? Gonna... I did. Okay. I went I went cold. I went cold. So I haven't slept for three okay, so that was the fourth night. Oh my word. I went completely cold. Empty, dark, like I know, I know, I, I'm fucked. Now I'm fucked. You know, this has never ever happened. Mm. And that that same time, no money. I get on the I get on the train all the way to Observatory. Oh, can I say the name? Huh? Observatory Drug Counseling Center. And I'm there, and I and I tell them, listen, I need help. They tell me, yeah, you got to come back because there's nobody now. You got to come back in two or three days. Time. I said, what? Oh no. Uh uh-uh. uh. I tell you, I tell you, I, I'm at that window and, and, and I'm crying and I'm and I'm knocking on the on the counter. You guys are gonna fucking help me. And, you know, I'm sitting, I, like you know, I'm cold, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I got a fright and something's fucking going on with me and I don't know what it is. Ooh, but I, I I need I need to get clean. Something needs yeah. to happen. And then of course that's where my journey started. So did they take you? They took me in. Yeah, okay. but of course oh, cool. as an outpatient. Yeah. So. So that's the, the Cape Town Drug Counseling Centre. Yeah. Amazing work they do. Oh my word, man. Really. I did a three three week outpatient. So now you must know. I'm still in the ghettos. Right? I'm in <laughs> the ghettos. Um, I have to be at this place three times a week. And that's the only survival that I have. Yeah. The only survival. Mm. Yo. And how long were those sessions that you had to go for? An hour. So that's all. Three times a week, one hour in between. Fucking will stay clean. That's all, man. <laughs> oh my God, that's scary. That's all I had. But but I think it, in some sort of way I was desperate. Yeah. So you had the gift of desperation. I think so, you had yeah. God. <laughs> I did. I did. That's wonderful. And your wife, did she 
did, did you know her at that stage? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's why at that very same day, no, she, she had a job. She went to work. She went to work. But that very same day, she also quit. She was done. Amazing. She was done. Um, were you dating at that stage already? Or did you just know each other? I don't know. I, th I think we were married. Okay. Remember, we met in Active. I hope she doesn't listen to this and doesn't know when you got married. <laughs> um, I, I know, I know. I know, I know. <laughs> Backtrack. Oh, I, know, God, I, know. I might have to edit this piece up. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we made an Active. We got married in Active. Kept using and got clean together. Yes, sorry, Same you, day. you did mention that you yeah. that you got married in active. Yeah. Okay. Oh wow, that that's really amazing. And yeah. did she also do outpatient, or did she just? She, she also went to outpatient, um, and that's all she did. Because I, I I did my I did my three weeks outpatient. Then they got then they got me a sponsored bed. Oh, right? cool. Then I did another three weeks inpatient. When I came out, she had already did her outpatient. Well, she was busy with her outpatient. A bad Muslim boy in a, in a, in a seemingly religious program. Did the 12 steps scare you? Did, did the word God kind of bring a feeling to you that, oh God, I don't know. Oh, do most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely, man. You know, I think step one and two was okay. Scary, but okay. Yeah. Was getting was step three because I tell you the words. Step three, uh, we made a decision to turn our world and our life over to the care of God. As we understood him. Yes. Oh. Like, okay, yeah. you know what? You know what? I'm out here. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Here we go. Break. Yeah. I, I'm not going to be a priest. Yeah. I, I ain't going to become something yeah. holy. I'm not going to be one of those guys in, in the church that do those white things. And, and, and No. You know what? Yeah. I'm okay with working one and two. Step one and two, but. Little did I know, 12 steps doesn't tell me what to do. Yes. They are not even suggesting, they are saying what addicts before us have done. Absolutely. What worked for them. What worked for them. And I can choose to follow. Yeah. And little did I know, you know what, step three has a whole heading first and then the God is like on the second verse or something. Yeah. I didn't even understand and or didn't even want to understand what the first couple of words mean. Because it says, we made a decision. Yeah. We made a decision. God came later, you know. Um, I didn't want to see that. And then my sponsor explained to me, Ibi, what the hell are you doing? You don't have to do anything. You just have to make a decision. Yeah. That is all. Just make a decision. And I said, Okay. I can do that. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> yeah. That's easy. That's something I can do. Yeah. I don't have to go to church. <laughs> Look, I don't have a problem with church. And I don't have a problem with people going to church. I, I think my thing is, when it comes to this program, is that I, I can live my life not the way I want to, but I can live my life choosing what I want to do. Yeah. I don't want to manipulate I don't want to hassle because, I mean, those, those are all my active uh, behaviors. Absolutely. Yeah. I, am, I am very, very comfortable 
with living an honest life. Yeah. I am very, very comfortable with being responsible, you know, and, and all the other stuff that goes with it. And this is this is what the twelve steps not requires, but this is what I take out of the twelve steps. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. And you take out of it what what you want. Yeah. What what, what what works for you. Yes. I do. It is it is yeah, it, it, it is special to me, man. Really. And it's so much easier. Yeah. So, am I correct if I say that my understanding is that your spirituality is based within the, the, the let's call it the, no, I don't want to call it confines, within the, the principles of the 12 steps. Yes. Like in spirituality will be honesty, open-mindedness, yeah. willingness, yeah. Um, trust, open faith. Um, those those spiritual principles like very much the same as mine. Absolutely. Um, just I, I kind of went and put a put a, put a figure to it or a, a concept to it, which is nature and mother nature, mm-hmm. and, and that that's my higher power. Mm-hmm. So for me, she embodies all those wonderful things, and that's it. So there's nothing religious to it. Yeah. But a very much a live concept or spirituality, a practical, practicable concept. I like that appreciation. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Your gratitude, one of the most fundamental spiritual principles. Mm. Obviously, sobriety didn't come easy to you because you relapsed after three months. Yeah. But after that, did, did things change for you? Did, did it become easier? Yeah. Or, or was it a, a, a groot gesukkel on a daily basis? Were you working at that stage? No, a no, fl- no. Oh, Ibi, that must be one of the most difficult things, to try and stay clean and be bored. Let me tell you Fuck. this. Let me tell you oh. this, right? So, I think it was about, yeah, of course, the whole three months at home. But I went to, I went to meetings in the evening. There was this one guy, he he came to fetch me and my wife every night. Every night, you know? Cool. We're moving to meetings. And then there was another guy we met, and then he'd come and fetch me, you know? And we started knowing people, but the only time we went out was at night. Because I was a shit scared during the day. Yeah. I was flippant scared. The shop is two minutes away and I wouldn't even go to the shop. You couldn't trust yourself to, I, to, I, to make that journey. Well, <laughs> I, I couldn't. I wouldn't have trusted myself. I, I don't think it's trusting myself. I was just scared. I was scared of people. I was. Okay. Every, I think everything that I, that, that, that I used on. Remember, I never had money for psychiatrists and, yeah, and of course, medication yeah. and, and these kind of things. And. Um, so I was just freaking scared. My only sanction was meetings at night. Hmm. So let me tell you this also. When I relapsed, that's when another thing happened. I got into some kind of a light went on in my head and said, what the hell are you doing? Ah, I threw myself more into the program. I actually got a sponsor. Ooh. What a change. I started working the steps. <laughs> it's such a difference if you do what, what, what they suggest you do. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then the whole aha moment happened. You know, they say uh, step 12 is having had a spiritual awakening yeah. because of, as a result of working the steps. That's when my spiritual awakening, I, or, or I think one of it happened. Yeah. One of it happened because I started doing these things. Shit scared, still shit scared of people and myself and just my old surroundings. Uh, but I pushed through the fear and it got better. So you practiced courage, carry on, carrying so. on despite the fear. Yes, awesome. yes. Yeah. yeah. 
So, and, and that's interesting because so many people think that a relapse is the end of the world. Uh, yes. And it's not. No. Many, many, many times a relapse is that one thing you need to bring that light bulb moment and say, this is where I went wrong. I can now fix that and continue. Mm. So, so to, to those people listening who are addicted and who think um, relapse is the end of the world, it really isn't. And a lot of times it, it, it gives us a chance to stand back and evaluate where we are in our lives. It does. The most important is just to, to keep on going back. That's the important thing. So now you're back and were things easier for you now, now that you were committing yourself to the process of recovery? It wasn't easy, but it, it, it is, well, the first year was very difficult, um, very, very scary, fearful. However, when I think back at it, it was, it was adventurous. Why? Because I had a chance to walk through the fears, come out on the other side and say, and look back and say, oh my gosh, that was me. Yeah. That was me back there. And look, look, I did it. Mm. It was, it, you know, it, it just happened on a daily basis. Every day, even going to meetings and I walk in and oh, look at those people. Oh my gosh, where do I sit? But, you know, just pushing through the fear, pushing through so much. Um, yeah, it was exciting. It was fearful. It was adventurous. I actually wish I can go back to it. I, I, often, <laughs> I often say early recovery can... In a way, it's so much fun because that's the only priority that we have yes. at that stage. And yes. then suddenly you, you get cleaner and you get cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. And work happens and the car payments happen and oh the house payments gosh. happen and the responsibilities and the family now have you back and your family responsibilities. So suddenly you realize, fuck, this is difficult. <laughs> yeah. So at what stage in your in your time did you start working again I think four or five months okay so it wasn't that long no did you then start working in the recovery field no when I relapsed I think two months after that yeah I started working okay. two months after that I started working I started working in a computer company that um, supplies wholesale to people and that's that's what I did. And how did you get the job? Actually, through a through a friend's mom in 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 the in the fellowship. Okay. A friend's see, that, mom. that's what normally happens. Is through service we people see your commitment. If yeah. you, you can do this in service, you could probably do it outside as well. Yeah. And then they think, okay, come let 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 let's give you a try. And then invariably, hopefully, things work out. And that's what happened. And that is what happened. Why why I'm in this field as well? Because um, one of the guys he works at another facility, um, he, he did service with me. And then he asked me, listen, don't you want to come do some hours at our facility? Okay. I said, what? Yeah, cool. I went one or two shifts, and then he told me, listen, if you want to do this, there's courses that you ah. can do. There's, there's a bit of things that you can do. Yeah. And then, yeah, I, 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 uh, I did this course, and I did that course, and I did that workshop, and you know, and, and that's how this ball started rolling for me as well. And how long have you now been working in the recovery field? I was just under two years clean when I started okay. in the field. And so th 13, 13 years now. Wow. Yeah. 
you've been giving back for a long time. I love it. And your wife, is she also in the recovery field? Or? No, she's in retail. Okay. She's in retail. I love, I love being there for other people, man. It's, um, it, it is actually, it gives me something. It makes me, it makes me feel important. It makes me feel useful. It makes me feel worthwhile. You know? It's amazing what he does. Like I had a day yesterday where I felt sad. I had to see clients at three and four. And I was so looking forward to seeing the clients because I know once I start giving back, yes, I will I will feel better. Yeah. And by the time that the four o'clock client left, I, the sadness was gone and I felt like a new person. It's amazing when, when we give back, just get out of yourself and, 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 and commit. Yeah. As you stand today, so, so what I'm hearing is I'm hearing great commitment to your own personal recovery journey. Yeah. So you still attend meetings? I do. About well, not as much, not as much as I, as I used. Not, yeah. I, I, probably about one a month. Okay, cool. But you still stay involved, and you work in the industry, and you follow the spiritual principles that we that we are taught in in recovery. Definitely. And did you ever consider going back to mosque? Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I, I don't, I don't, I don't mean it like, like no, never. It just, I'm, I'm okay where I am yeah. now. My spiritual principles and and this is my journey right now. I'm very comfortable yeah. with it. I am not prepared to go into must do's like you know yeah. religion is like you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Yeah. Now nah, I'm cool right now. <laughs> what I should actually be saying is. I don't want to. I don't want to go there where I get told what to do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I understand that completely. <laughs> How is your life today? If if you have to say, I, I normally ask people, are you happy? Mm. And and a lot of people kind of, what's your definition of happy? I don't know what my definition of happy. What what's your definition of happy? And if if you have one, are you are you that? What what are you today? Where do you stand with yourself today? I, I, that's quite an interesting question because are you happy? And immediately when you said happy, uh, it I went inside of me. I went inside of me, and um, there are there are well not days, but I have moments during the day where I feel okay. Where I feel okay with me. I feel okay with my surroundings, with my job, with with my car, with the weather you know I have those moments and I think to me for me that, that that's happy cool yeah I get home or I drive home and and, and, and I see well I drive Baden Powell so it's the it's the it's the it's the coastline and oh, I, what and a I, beautiful road yes. travel every day yeah I see it you know yeah. th- that is what I see every day and I don't I don't know if it's happiness but it's calmness and that's also happy for me, yeah. feeling these things. So, you know what? I, I, I would actually say yes. Awesome. I'm, I'm happy and I'm content with my life. Is there anything more I want? Now that's going to get me thinking. <laughs> that's going to have me thinking. Well, maybe a, maybe a, a nicer car, yeah? You know, uh-huh. a, a big house. Well, okay, not a big house, but a very comfortable house. Yeah. Uh, a dog. 
Oh, yes, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I want the dog too. But you see, these are all external things. And they, they, they're all wants. They're not yeah. needs. Yeah. And that's the really, the really big question we have to ask ourselves. There's a shitload of stuff that I want. Yeah. There's nothing I need. And that, that's an amazing difference. That's true. That's true. But Ibi, on that note, you were nervous. And how do you feel now? Yeah, I know. You Was know, there anything to be nervous about? You know, I, I don't have anything. Maybe I'm not spiritual. Maybe I'm not spiritual. But fuck, look. Exactly. I am. I live. Exactly. I've, I've been in meetings with you. When you open your mouth, <laughs> you, 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 you you talk stuff that makes sense. Yeah. You, you, you give me stuff that, 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 that makes sense. So therefore, you obviously have a message. And that's why I asked you to, to come and share with us today. And this isn't just a podcast of, of, of addiction or whatever, but so many people get wonderful messages from us. And that's wonderful. Yes, man. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. No, they definitely do. Definitely, I, I, I hear people who tell me that I listen to your, to your podcast and um, I get a lot out of it, and they're not addicts. So, Ibi, thank you very, very much, and I nearly forgot, this is your little gift to say thank you very much for coming to talk to us in Meet Me in the Field. Uh, cool, it's little... And I think you, uh, little braces, and looking at your wrists, I think they will be a bit thick for this, so your wife scores a gift. A beaded bracelet. So, Bri- Ibi's wife, enjoy the bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Look after yourself, right? And thank you. Thank you, man. I love it how most people are slightly nervous when we start chatting, and then, at the end, they enjoyed the chat. Ibi was no exception. I absolutely love how each and every one of us has a story and a journey to share. I found immense inspiration from Evie's story. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor, or on Twitter at at Freddy, or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. I want to thank E.B. for his time and energy in chatting to meet me in the field. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.